Okay, we have a super special guest today on Screaming from the Sidelines. We are incredibly privileged to have the first woman to call an NFL and NBA game on the radio. She has done men's basketball at the Olympics, Copa America, the Gold Cup, some NHL. Seriously, a full-on barrier crusher, and I'm not just saying this, one of the most impressive resumes I've ever seen. Uh, sideline reporting, hosting radio shows, calling just about every sport at the Pac-12 networks. And now she is in her second season as the television play-by-play voice for the Philadelphia 76ers. So she is Kate Scott, and I'm very happy to have you. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Greg. It's so great to be here. Thanks for that great intro. Yeah, I, I don't know when I slept, but you know, here we are now, finally sleeping. So it's great to chat with you today. Yeah, well, you can get by on that four hours of sleep average, as I've learned from reading a lot about your story. That's <laughs> when you're in your 20s. <laughs> incredible. I got this little yerba. I don't know if that's a cure for four hours sleep, but <laughs> we can try as human. I beings. drank a lot of uh, caffeinated beverages when I was when I was your age. So you're you're on the right track. Uh, caffeine is just it's a wonderful thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, we're going to get all into the 76ers because they've been one of the weirdest teams in the NBA. Yep. But yep. first of all, uh, how unbelievable was that World Cup final this last Sunday? Oh, my gosh. I mean, best best soccer match that I've ever seen. And uh, I've gotten to see some great ones. I was actually at the Rose Bowl in 99 when the U.S. women won the World Cup in PKs. I was actually sitting behind, you know, you're thinking you have crappy seats because you're sitting behind a goal. And then just the way that the world works, all of a sudden we're having the PKs to decide a World Cup at the goal we were sitting behind back in 99. Um, I covered the San Jose earthquakes and MLS. You mentioned sideline reporting. That was one of my sideline reporting gigs. And one of the best MLS games ever was between the earthquakes and the galaxy way back, gosh, early OOs and the earthquakes because it was a home and home series in the postseason. And on goal differential, they were down like three goals. Anyway, they rallied back for a 4-3 victory in like stoppage time. Time. So that was a crazy match. So I've seen some great ones, but that was that was phenomenal. Incredible. The Sixers were talking about it. Practice was a mess on Sunday because they were trying to practice during the World Cup final. And Joel's a huge soccer fan. James is an investor in the Houston Dynamos. So like it it was wild. And I'm glad that you brought that up because obviously I call soccer. I'm a soccer fan as well. But yeah, still buzzing was watching videos of Argentina and the celebrations of the guys coming home last night. So that was great for just all of us, I think, who love soccer in addition to loving basketball and all the other sports. No, totally. I mean, so I'm on the West Coast, as you know. So my whole family got up at like 645 to watch the game. So well worth it. I mean, that was one of the greatest games I've seen in any sport. And like coming into it, I wasn't even that emotionally invested. But by the end, I'm just on the edge of my seat because the intensity is so high. And we're watching probably the two best players in the world. I mean, no disrespect to Ronaldo, but uh, the way that Mbappe, Messi went back and forth, like they gave the world just a treat. I I, I can't put it any differently. No, totally. As my friend Kate Fagan, who wrote this book and has written other books, says uh, she did a TED Talk recently on what makes us really care about sports is it because, you know, why Why do men's sports get more coverage than women's sports? And she is big into history. So she went back in time and saw like 
arenas used to sell out to watch women power walk because it's all about stakes and storylines. So, so many people who don't like soccer, have never watched soccer, tuned in on Sunday because of the stakes, right? A World Cup final and the storylines. Probably Messi's last chance to win a World Cup for his country. Or is it going to be Mbappe and this young French team who go back to back, which is so incredibly difficult to do. So it had those things, like you mentioned, and then all the other things we love about sports. Comebacks, the stars showing out, Mbappe and Messi just playing to the the, the pinnacle of of excellence um, and then going to the very last moment of what it could PKs. So yeah, it was awesome. But I guess we can talk basketball now if you want, or we can talk soccer, wherever you want to take this. <laughs> you know, given our limited time, I guess I'll move to basketball. Okay. But, uh, okay. Your man, podcast, just, whatever you want to do. It was like, <laughs> I just, that's a broadcaster's dream right there, that game. And obviously that's what you do now for the 76ers. Um, you know, before I get into the team or this season, I know you've just had a just an, a long and incredible journey on the West Coast, and now you're up in Philly. So yeah. how would you describe your experience covering the team and just the transition of going from West to East? Yeah, it was a huge transition, obviously, but that happens a lot, not just in the broadcasting industry, in every industry. There's a chance that if you're moving up and chasing your dreams, you're going to have to relocate and change your life from everything it's been up until a certain point. Um, so, yeah, a lot of people were saying, wait a second, California born and raised and you're going you're going to Philly like you. You know what they say about Philly sports fans, right? Um, but I have always, as my resume hopefully proves, have always loved a challenge. So. For somebody who absolutely loves sports, why would you not want the opportunity to call sports in one of, and now in my opinion, now that I'm here, the best, most passionate sports town in all of America? It doesn't matter who the Sixers are playing. It doesn't matter who's hurt. It, it doesn't matter how how many games they may have lost in a row. Like the Wells Fargo Center where we play is sold out every game. It just doesn't matter. And the fans are crazy and rocking and passionate. And after the the uh, the team started the season one and four, it was as Joel Embiid made a joke about the other day. It was, yeah, they wanted to trade me because that's Philly. They're that passionate about sports. Um, but it's been great. You know, I wasn't sure what to expect because I was taking over for a legend, a guy who was born and raised in Philly, went to college in Philly, is a, a wonderful man, and has been the best baton passer I could have asked for. But I'm so many different things than that, right? I'm a chick, duh. I'm from California. Uh, I'm gay and out about it. So there was a lot of new for for all of Philly and for Sixers fans. But after a, a, a difficult beginning, which I was expecting because we all we all struggle with change regardless of who we are. Um, the fans started to come around much sooner than I expected, uh, kind of January, February of last year. And we're having a blast now. I love it here. Uh, I really recommend uh, buying a house in the Bay Area and then moving to the Pennsylvania suburbs. <laughs> you could get a lot more bang for your buck. Um, but yeah, like there's a chance it could snow this week. So I could have my first white Christmas. Um, so it's been, it's been fun. You know, it's very rare, I think, that you get to reinvent yourself around 40. I'm 39. So you get to explore and discover all these things when we're little kids, right? The first time we discover certain things, it's really 
cool. But it's, I think, very rare that you get the opportunity to do that with fresh eyes at, at you know, hopefully the midlife points. So it's been really cool. The people here have been really wonderful. And that's another stereotype I want to turn on its head. Uh, I, they're honest and direct. That's what I've told everybody. And I think a lot of people take that as rude. But I've always been really honest and direct. I think that's one of the reasons that I've gotten here by being that way. So it kind of in a strange, weird way for this born and raised California girl feels like I've come home. Like I've always been searching for this space and now feels like I found it. Well, that's super awesome to hear. That was also a terrific answer. Like you should try on camera stuff if you haven't done that yet. <laughs> you know, I've heard that from a couple of other people. Thank you for saying that as well. I might look into it. <laughs> yeah, I think you got a real talent there. <laughs> okay, I don't know, so, it felt kind of rambly. I don't know. Yeah, um, look, the 76ers are a very strange team. Right now it's going well. They are 17 and 12, fifth in the East. They won five in a row. They started the year slow. They've had two of their stars suffering injuries, still waiting on the return of Maxi, who was on track to maybe win most improved. Uh, they adjusted their defense and had a dominant month of November. And now things are starting to look up, but the East is a tough conference. So from your observations, conversations, just watching this team every game, why do you think there was a lot of inconsistency to start the year? Well, I think that. As much as everyone thought, okay, James Harden arrived here around the trade deadline last year, like they had 25 games to play together. Why haven't they figured it out? It it takes longer than that. I mean, I know you were at least used to be. I don't know if you still are a Warriors fan, but everyone expected when Kevin Durant landed, well, why can't they figure it out? And it took a little while because you're used to being a certain dude on one team. And now, even though you're just as talented as you were before, now you have to figure out, okay, I am this puzzle piece and how do I fit into this puzzle? And as I have said to a lot of people before this, James has never played with a Joel Embiid. He's played with incredible players, right? Played with Kevin Durant, no KC, and Russell Westbrook back in the day. Played with phenomenal players down in Houston, Chris Paul and Russ again. He played with KD and Kyrie. But he's never played with a 7'2", almost 300-pound old-school center in a Joel Embiid who can also bring it all the way out to three-point line. So that's new for James. Joel has never played with somebody who can pass as incredibly as James Harden can. Somebody who can also score while playing that point guard role. Because, right, Ben was obviously here before that. And Ben was a pass-first point guard. He was a defense-first point guard. And James is the complete opposite of that. So it's been a huge adjustment for them. And then, as you mentioned, here's Tyrese Maxey, now in year three, who had a phenomenal sophomore season after being thrown into the starting role because Ben wasn't playing. And now how's he going to fit? And then oh, on top of that, we've got this guy, Tobias Harris, who has been a huge part of the reason the Sixers have won five in a row. He would be a one or two option on other teams. He was the three last year, but then James shows up like Tobias has had to be the most incredible shapeshifter. I was just texting with all of um, my analysts here in Philly that Tobias this year alone has had to role change three times because he was the fourth option-ish to start the year when all three of the guys were healthy. Then Joel was kind of sick, had a knee. Okay, so then Tobias was three. Then James goes down. Then Tobias is two. Then everybody, like, he's had to just change what the team has needed from him. So this is a really long explanation for saying they are still figuring it out. And I know that that is a really boring answer. So that's why I wanted to give all of that background because I think sometimes – we hear it as a, as a sports cliche. Oh, just give us time. We're figuring it out. 
But they really have been because right when they started to each time, one of the guys would go down and then the other guys would have to adjust what the team needed from them. And now Joel is back. So we don't need 30 points a game from James Harden. We need him to get everybody involved to open the floor up so that Joel could cook. And then once that starts happening, you look the last couple of games, James has double digit assists. And then he starts scoring in the second half because the floor's more open because everybody's collapsing on Joel. So uh, it is a very uh, confusing team at times. Last year was full of drama for the obvious reasons. And I expect this year to be the same, but, but you know how Having watched the Warriors, I mean, at this time last year, the Celtics were under 500 and they ended up being the team coming out of the East. So uh, I, I'm not saying by any means that the Sixers are the favorite, but I think the fact that they are trending in the right direction at this point in the season, I'd be worried if they weren't playing the way they are now, seemingly figuring it out game by game on this five game stretch. Um, but I think as they come back and get healthy, hopefully Tyrese will be back either later this month or early January. We're not exactly sure when he's going to be back from the broken foot, but I think they have the talent and the pieces that they can be one of the teams to compete in the East. That was far from a boring answer. I'm like overwhelmed on behalf of Tobias Harris right now. I know. Trying to figure out his role. People, people still, I, I just want to, I want to get into verbal sparring matches with people who still bring up Tobias's contract that he signed like 495 years ago when Tyrese Maxey wasn't Tyrese Maxey, when James Harden wasn't here. Like, yes, he, he deserved that contract. And who out of any of us, if somebody offered us a certain amount of money, it'd be like, you know what, actually, no, can I take $20 million less than that? No. And he is a huge, he was huge in the postseason last year. He's been huge this year. So I just wanted to make sure that T gets his, gets his flowers, as the kids like to say. No, he should. And actually the season he got traded when he was still on the Clippers, my younger brother and I went to the Warriors Clippers game in the Bay and it was a really close game. And we thought the Warriors were going to run away with it. And Tobias Harris put up 30-something points, and we're like, who is this guy? And it turns out he's, like, pretty good at basketball. He is, indeed. Yeah, I'm glad you got to see that in person. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was uh, Curry hitting a game winner with half a second left, so I was leaving plenty satisfied. Good. Um, you know, nobody wants to see star players miss time, but yeah. what can you say the main things we've learned from the absences of James and Tyrese? Well, I think I'll just speak from a, a personal standpoint. I think we learned that a, a lot of the Sixers bench players, Shake Milton specifically, uh, has what it takes to be an important piece in the NBA. That was really great for me to see um, because a lot of people the last few years have said, you know, Shake should get more playing time. Shake should get more playing time. And and Doc Rivers, the head coach here in Philly, I think said it right when James then came back. People were saying, well, is Shake going to get more playing time? And Doc said, who are you going to say? James Harden? Tyrese Maxey? Tobias Harris? Like, who, who, who is going to give up those minutes? Because all of those guys are deserving of their starting minutes. So, um, and that's how I felt before I saw Shake really take control of the team over the last month and be a huge reason that the team didn't completely sink in November without, I mean, we were without Joel, James and Tyrese for, I think at least a couple of weeks and the team managed to stay at 500. That's all you want to do when your star players are out. You just don't want to nosedive completely. Um, and Shake was a huge part of that. And he was doing everything. He was scoring, he was rebounding, he was facilitating, not turning the ball over. He just showed me a lot that uh, I understood then why people have said this guy needs to get a shot. So I think that was great to see because now I'm feeling better about the bench. Same with George Niang, Furkan Korkmaz, Montrez, just all of our dudes who haven't been getting that much playing time. 
I think it was important for them to show fans and broadcasters like myself, hey, I'm here for a reason and I can really contribute. And then on top of that, I think it was really good because anybody who plays any sport knows it's so hard to be the pinch hitter. It's so hard to be the guy who comes off the bench for five minutes and has to try to find a rhythm. So the fact that the guys got that chunk of time playing together and just kind of getting their legs under them, getting their shot, I think that that could be really important later in the season. And I've totally lost track of what the actual question was. So am I somewhat on track? No, no, no. That was perfect. Um, <laughs> especially you. one of the reasons why people were so high on this team is because yeah. they really liked the bench and they thought yeah. they were a defensive oriented team. In fact, they were my Eastern Conference champion pick. I had Warriors 76ers finals. Don't give up on that yet, Greg. Don't give up on that long I season. I won't give up. I, I officially <laughs> am back on track. I had a tweet that said I was concerned, but I haven't yeah. hopped off the bandwagon. That's okay. You weren't alone. You should have listened. I love listening to sports radio here in Philly after like a couple weeks ago. James first game back, really awful overtime loss in Houston, right? To to the quote-unquote tanking Rockets, even though no team is tanking. I mean, obviously, everybody will love to have Victor Wembanyama on their team next year. But, and it was like this, trade the entire team, fire everybody the next day in Philly Sports Radio. So I'm glad you haven't jumped off. It's normal to have those reactions. But yeah, that was what I, that was the biggest thing I took away. That the bench is the bench that we expected them to be. And they're going to be there and ready if and when the time needs to needs their help. And the playoffs is the time when people turn from boys to men. I mean, that was my first notice of, oh, Tyrese Maxey is a, he's going to be a star. I knew he was good. But then when I saw what he did in the playoffs, like that's when, I mean, Draymond, the first time I thought he was really good was in the playoffs in like 2012 or something. So it's, it's really when people start to come out and shine. And, you know, a lot of these guys like a shake Milton, they don't have to be anything special on a championship team. They just need to be, solid and doing what they are doing so this show also has a betting component i know that's not necessarily a monumental part of your work life but the sixers because of some of these inconsistencies Mm -hmm. have been one of the most frustrating teams to bet on all season (laughs) i can only imagine what you're getting (laughs) and i guess kind of a broad question but i want to ask is this team as unpredictable to you as they are to somebody like me? Yes. And don't, don't quote me. Don't take betting advice from me. Cause I'm not a better. Um, but if uh, experience this season and, and the second half of last season, when James arrived has taught me anything, it's that the Sixers will probably lose the games they should win and win the games that they should lose. Right. Like a couple weeks ago when the Brooklyn Nets full squad were here and no Maxi, no James Harden, no Joel Embiid. What do they do? Tobias Harris and Shake Milton and company lead the charge and knock off the Nets here at the Wells Fargo Center. So I think that game came, and then James Harden comes back. We're in Houston playing the Houston Rockets. I mean, they should be they should cruise past this Rocket squad, right? No, lose to them in overtime. So uh, that that would be my really general. Don't take my advice, but that is my advice. If you think the Sixers should win a game, I mean, last night Toronto Raptors, um, they'd lost five in a row. Should be an easy win. Sixers are up fourteen in the second quarter. Had to go to overtime in order to knock off the Raptors. So apologies just to all of you who try to bet on the 76ers, but that would be my general don't take my advice advice. <laughs> no, that's actually really good. I hope anyone listening to this who's lost money on this team feels <laughs> totally validated right now. Sorry. <laughs> I uh 
I said to my brother about a month ago in frustration, I think the Sixers, it might have actually been that Rockets loss. Yeah, I probably. had them as part of a parlay. And I'm like, I'm done betting the Sixers until <laughs> 2023 well, minimum. Everyone was like, James is coming back. He's Houston's his home. Like he has a restaurant here. He gives back tons of money here. Oh, he's been he's been rehabbing for the last couple of days here. Like he is gonna show out tonight in Houston. Mwah, mwah, mwah. That didn't happen. So yeah, sorry. Sorry, everybody. Hopefully we'll hopefully we'll find some footing and levity and consistency here in the new year. I would love that too as a broadcaster. Well, speaking of broadcasting, I want to ask something that is more personal to your work life and routine. When you get the opportunity to speak with a player, coach, or staff member in preparation for a broadcast, yeah. what sorts of details are you narrowed in on for building up your knowledge base? Hmm. Wow, that's a really good question. Um, well, I always I always long play everything when I'm talking to players and coaches, right? Because you have to remember that, especially at the professional level, somebody wants something from these guys at all times. You know, uh, like a lot of people, just like the athletes, as a broadcaster, I started covering high school sports, then I moved to college sports, then you moved to pros. And the the higher you get, the more media those people are having to do, the more that they're having to tell the same story over and over again, the more that they just don't have times for themselves. So I really slow play it. Like last year was my first year here in Philly, and I was more seen than heard. They heard me on the broadcast, but most of the time I was just at every practice I could be at. I was at every shoot around. Doc Rivers and the staff was kind enough and is still kind enough to allow me at everything that they do, which is rare um, at high school level, let alone at the professional level. But Doc just said, anything I can do to help you be the best broadcaster that you can be. And obviously this is a trust thing. If you see things that you probably shouldn't say on the broadcast, Probably don't say it on a broadcast, but that's a part of getting that, um, you know, just gesture of trust. So then when it came to the guys, I really didn't start talking to them to the second half of last season and the start of this season. And I usually just start out with personal stuff, you know, L love your shoes. Hey, I heard your daughter's big into volleyball. You know, what position does she play? Just talk to them as human beings, because that's when they then start to trust you as a human being. And then they start to open up about okay, man, what was what was the actual play call at the end of that overtime loss you guys had in Houston, right? Because that obviously didn't look like the play that you, you meant to run out of the huddle. So that's when once guys or gals, but for the most part, it's guys, um, you can establish that level of trust with them. Then I start to get into the nitty gritty with them. You know, I'm, I've created a nice relationship with, with Dave Yeager, who's our offensive coordinator, former head coach in the NBA. I'm sure Dave will be a head coach again in the next few years. Dan Burke, who's kind of our defensive coordinator, doc delegates some responsibilities. So I've created relationships with those guys so that I can ask them specifically, okay, I know we went to this zone last night because of this reason, but can you break down what happened on this play? Um, and that, that, that is kind of how I exp expand my knowledge base. It's it's slow. It's, you know, one game or one play or one defensive situation at a time. And then I do a lot of research on my own online so that I can sound knowledgeable when I go to ask them. Because again, getting back to how I started this answer, people want so much from everybody all the time at the professional level that uh, usually it's only, you know, five minutes with this person or a, a quick text conversation with this person. Um, or we're, we're taking a walk to the buses for shoot around and it's those couple of minutes together. So I just try to glean little pieces here and there. I, I lean on my analyst, Allah, a lot. He played almost 10 years in the league, you know. 
now. So he knows so much. So I'm just always, always trying to learn and grow. And I already can tell that I'm seeing the game differently this year in my second year in the NBA than I was last year. So I really look forward to the knowledge that I'm going to gain hopefully over the next five, 10 years here. Man, that's incredible. I love the approach to it of just relationship building, the slow yeah. play, being mindful that these athletes are human beings and everyone's focusing on their bets or their fantasy teams <laughs> or uh, I yeah, don't know, is, whatever but, else. But guys, guys will give you that information. I can then not share it, but guys will talk to you honestly about the injury they're dealing with once you've created that relationship with them. But just like any human, right? If somebody came up to you today, Greg, and was like, well, tell me what's going on with this because I'm betting on this right now. You're like, whoa, do, wh wh what am I? Well, first of all, how do I know that I can trust you and what am I going to get out of this? So once you've, cre you've created that human relationship with them, it's a lot easier to talk about the, the intricate details of things. I love it. Uh, okay, so I don't want to take too much of your time, but one final question I have, basketball, Sixers related, is you talked about the inspiring play of the bench when all these stars were out. Yeah. A couple of years ago, if I asked this question, you might have said someone like Tyrese Maxey. So today, are there any young prospects who might not be a household name right now, but you would not be surprised if that changed in the next one to two seasons? Ooh, wow. Hmm. Good question. Yeah, it is fascinating how quickly Tyrese just kind of exploded onto the scene, right? And that's, it's interesting, you know, he was picked in the 20s and a lot of people say, how did he drop this far? Well, I think that the, the Sixers got a, a COVID blessing, if there can be such a thing, because the NCAA tournament didn't happen that year. So people didn't get to see Tyrese, which I think if they would have seen him in Kentucky and in March Madness, probably he would have gone top 10. So thank goodness. <laughs> I think that's the one thing I can uh, say thank you to the pandemic about. Uh, gosh, a young guy. Well, that's the interesting thing because our team is mostly older guys and veteran guys, but don't know if he'll be a household name, but all the basketball minds that I talk to are really excited about our kind of our one young guy, Jaden Springer. Uh, went to Tennessee, like Tobias. He is super raw. He looks to me like he might be 12 years old, but I'm pretty sure he's 20. <laughs> that's what that's what happens is you just stay in this industry are you 12 or 13 Jaden? no i actually i'm 20 um but he is so athletic uh he had a block i, I don't know if it was at the end of the warriors game maybe it was the end of the kings game the night before because he, he usually just gets spot minutes he's back and forth with our g league team the delaware blue coats a lot um but his athleticism I, I swear he jumped halfway up the backboard and he's like a six four six five guard uh, his defensive just awareness and uh, natural instincts. We see it with Matisse Stiebel. We see it with DeAnthony Melton on our team. But some guys have it and some guys don't, right? Some guys learn how to be great defensive players as their careers go on. But P.J. Tucker told us in, in training camp, and we know P.J. is a great defender in the league, he said, man, this kid has no idea what he's doing. But once he actually figures it out, like he's he's going to be something. And he's got a really beautiful shot. He's out there before and after every shoot around drenched in sweat, working with our skill coaches, working on the shots all the way around the arc inside. So uh, again, I don't know if it'll be with the Sixers because you got to find the right fit, right? It's, you don't, you don't have 11 guys on the field like some other sports, but uh, Jaden Springer, keep an eye on that youngster because I have a feeling that once he does figure it out, like PJ said, he's going to, he's going to be an impactful player, hopefully on our team, but if not on some team in the NBA. It is incredible how many players at this point in time just have supreme athleticism and do things that 
Like they can jump easier than I could flick my thumb on my <laughs> controller to make a video game player jump. I mean, yeah. actually, uh, before I go, I'll leave you with this quote, which was from uh, my beloved basketball coach, Dino Clark from a long time ago. He was the kind of guy that if he showed up to practice mad, you knew it was going to be a good practice because he would like <laughs> get it out early. If he yeah. showed up to practice in a good mood, you guys were probably going to piss him off in the middle of practice. <laughs> And one time he's just giving us a big talk about, I don't even know what, but, you know, effort or something like that. And he said, if you could jump like you could flick your thumb, then you probably would be in a video game. Amen. Amen. Amen So many, so many NBA players can do that. If you haven't come to a game yet and you're just betting on them, come to a game. The, The athleticism is incredible. I mean, watching Joel, 7'2", almost 300 pounds, just spin around like a ballerina on the low block and then fade to the corner. It just blows me away every time he does it. It's just poetry in motion. So come see a game. Come to, come to Philly. Come see a Sixers game, Greg. I would love to come to Philly and go to the Wells Fargo what? Center. I just went to a Trailblazers game in Portland, but now I need oh. to make a longer trip, more expensive flight, you know, but <laughs> worth it. Totally worth it. Get to all the NBA arenas. I know people do that with uh, baseball diamonds and stuff and football fields, but get get to all the arenas. We should start that trend. Yeah, I agree. In fact, I'll make a list right now and check it off. I think I'm at like maybe five or something. Good, good chance to get a trip. Yeah, that's we can end on that. That that is one thing that just makes me so happy about the East Coast in California. You know, right? You could be in traffic for two and a half hours trying to get to Oakland into San Francisco. You drive two hours back here. I'm in like four different states, so you can take the train. We're we're an hour and a half train ride from New York. We're an hour and a half train ride from Washington D.C. And the trains are pretty and nice, and you can reserve a seat. So it's uh, you can knock off a, a lot of different arenas if you just fly to Philly and then public transit your way the rest of the way. There you go. That concludes my tourism seminar for for Philly and the East Coast. (laughs) Back to you, Greg, back to you. You are selling the East Coast well right now. Uh, (laughs) Man, listen, Kate, you're fantastic. And there's a really awesome Philly Voice article that was written about her back in March of last year, which I'll probably link in the episode description. So if anyone's listening to this, I encourage you to go read it because it's going to really make you appreciate her journey about 10 times more and the fact that you are someone who was not handed a damn thing. But here you are in Philly, play-by-play, 76ers, for a team that we should not give up on yet. Don't give up on them. The season is young. James came here because he wants to win a title. Tobias wants to win a title. P.J. Tucker's won a title. He wants to win another. So Tyrese is coming back. Uh, we always keep our expectations low here in Philly because similar to Cal fans, we're used to being disappointed. So that was another reason that I told him, it feels like I came home, guys. That That is how I've been raised as a sports fan as well. But I, I you know, I covered the Warriors for years in the Bay Area. I saw what it takes to create a championship team. And then actually going and winning the championship is a whole nother thing. But the pieces are here. They have a phenomenal coaching staff. Daryl Morey and Elton Brand are awesome in the front office. So it just depends on how they put things together and what the health looks like as the second half of the season comes to play. This podcast network is called Believe, and I'm asking you to believe in (laughs) Philadelphia right now. (laughs) Awesome. Kate, thank you so much for all your time. I know you probably have about 700 podcast requests, so I'll let (laughs) you get on to the next one. I appreciate you, sir. I have a couple more today. And it was great to meet you. You did a great job at this. So thank you. you I've been on a lot of podcasts and a lot of the 
hosts are real bad. You were you were great. So gosh, I I better stop this recording before I start blushing. <laughs> awesome. All right, All right. everyone else, keep screaming and doing your thing, and maybe hold off on seventy sixers bets for a little longer. We'll get there. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.